This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 57 of the Healthy Critters Radio on Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we share tips about building a better barn. The breed of the show is the Mini Rex Rabbit. In Critter Nutrition, we learn the importance of ethics and transparency. And in Coffee Clutch, we ask, what kind of vehicle is your dog? Let's join us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a good show, girls. We're we're going to have a roundtable discussion on tips for building a better barn, the do's and the don'ts. Um, Patty and I and Jennifer um, have been in a lot of barns, have worked mm-hmm. out of a lot of barns, and we just kind of want to pass on some tips. If you're thinking about building a barn or remodeling your barn, um, this is what we have learned along the way. Mm-hmm. Patty P? Y- yes, I have... A, a lot of opinions about this. <laughs> so, do, would you like each one as we go along, or do you want it all at once? Um, all at once. Okay. Um, well, obviously, Tigger, as you know, um, we built a barn um, years ago in Virginia, and one of the things that I want to do is to make it very convenient. If for some reason it was a twenty stall barn, um, make it very convenient. If for some reason Peter and I got stuck down there because it's down a mile driveway in the snow and had to do it ourselves. Oddly enough, I didn't realize that that was foreshadowing to being nine months pregnant with uh, Hannah and having to do twenty stalls. That's a whole other story. But um, so one of the things that I wanted to try to make the barn was make it be very easier easy. And so for me, several big things are, of course, airflow in the barn, making sure there's um, <clears throat> space above the stall. So it's not, especially being in Houston, that it's not hot. So there's a nice big roof span and a way to either put fans up there like aisleway fans or whatever, but a nice, you know, breeze, um, for the, above the stall, um, the indoor location. Um, some people don't like it to be truly attached to the barn. Um, I loved how it was at far field tigs where you still could be undercover, but it wasn't necessarily attached to the barn. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow close enough where I am right now, it is a huge distance. And if you get caught in a storm, which happens a lot here in Houston, um, you're stuck under this metal building and you can't get back to the barn. So I like to make sure that that whole piece of that kind of works together really well. Um, stall doors. Um, I love being able to have stall doors where there's not wood at the bottom. So when you walk by, if a horse is laying down or what, you can always see their legs or see where they are and know that they're, you know, just without having to go in and look just, you know, doing a, a graze through the barn. Um, you, you know what I'm talking about? The kind of, not the ones like at Lexington, but you know, where the bars are, they have them, they're, they're they metal mesh. Yes. Or mesh. Yeah, yeah. Something where you can just you can peek right in like, yeah. yeah, was one of the things that we, we liked. Um, and that there was a horseshoe, horseshoer area. You know, we had 20 horses going or in this barn. So we had a two wash dolls, but one of them had a door that opened up that got the horseshoer out of the sun. Yeah. So we could pull back up and work in and out where he didn't have to be out exposed. And it was a concrete area because obviously it's incredibly important that you don't shoe on une- unlevel surfaces. 
And last but not least, a driveway big enough to turn around with a truck tractor trailer. Um, you know, if you have horses coming, it, you never know when you're going to get a horse delivered. One of my biggest, scariest fears is someone getting a horse. And this happens, as you know, Tigger, all the time in Wellington where they have to unload horses on a yep. road. Yeah. And um, so I just like a big parking lot. It does. It, it seems like a wasted amount of space, but it really it isn't. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a big parking lot, but just something where somebody can turn and pull around. One of the things I learned about being at a barn with you, Patty, mm-hmm. was the barn builder put the automatic waters <laughs> on an outside <laughs> stall. <laughs> yeah, that was a classic. Uh, if you're going to use it, uh, automatic waters, put them on the inside. Yes. Yes. Um, and and what definitely, you, definitely yeah. don't put them on the back outside uninsulated no. wall. No. Yeah, that would be dumb. Uh, that and would, that is, that's what we experienced. <laughs> and I, I'm not a fan of automatic orders. I was going to say, I just don't even go there anymore. Yeah. Not um, I like the horses to see. But Tigger, tell, tell the listeners why we don't like them. Well, the you, you don't know how much they're drinking. Right. Now, you can get automatic waterers that have... Yeah, a meter well, this, on them. This yes. barn had, had that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they, it didn't work. They well, were all broken. They were all broken. Yeah, there you go. Well, but I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. I, I, I it, from our standpoint, the, one of the number one things is making sure they get plenty of water, and um, you just, you just don't know. Plus, I will also tell you, um, and this happened because we did put automatic waterers in the barn that we built in Virginia. Um, there to heat them are it's extraordinarily expensive. Uh-huh. Um, but if hay gets caught in it, um, it, the other barn at Farfield, Tigger, I don't know if you remember this. Um, one of they started smoking. What? Yeah, and so it so there's there's a there's that sounds you know, like a poor design to me. Yeah, that's not well, good. And it's they're all Nelson Waters, that which is a very I don't mean to be I shouldn't I don't mean to be critical, but um, I also you know I had a horse that was electrocuted to death on one, and well, so, that would make so I'm you not shy. Gonna, yeah, definitely. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, you know I have worked in a number of barns with automatic waterers of various um, brands and mm-hmm. vintages, mm-hmm. and they are troublesome. In that yeah. they really do require a lot of maintenance. You have to keep after yeah. them. You have to repair them. Mm-hmm. You have, when the horses beat up on them, you have to fix them. And yep. if you're not willing to put in that time to really, really keep after them, you are better off with just a bucket. It's pretty low tech, and it's hard to break versus a waterer. You know, that, yeah. and that, that's the biggest problem I had is that whenever we had automatic waters, and we have them here, is you have to be extremely diligent. Um, you can't just go, oh, look, the water, the waterer is, um, it's working. Like we have mm-hmm. the ones in our pastures. You, you tip it out, you scrub it out and you drop it back down. You can't just drop mm-hmm. it down and walk away. You have to drop it down, make sure mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. valve is functioning and then make mm-hmm. sure the valve turns itself off because each time you flip those things over, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for it to go awry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're right. It, it, they are very troublesome. I've, I've had the. Small stall size one that's basically a bowl. It looks like a bowl you yeah. mix pancake yeah. mix in. I've had those in pastures, and the really the thing I really really didn't like about that is if it does break, whatever horses in that field has exactly a half a gallon of water, right. versus the kind of waterers we have in our pastures here are designed for a pasture in that when they're functioning properly, there's 25 gallons of water in it. So mm-hmm. if it does stop working, at least there's 25 gallons of water, which is going to last the horse until I walk out there next in the evening. So these, yeah, that's definitely stuff you want to think about. If 
if worst case scenario, how is that waterer going to function for you? Is it going to supply the horse what he needs to have? Yeah. 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 Critical and, thinking. Um, I, I really am getting to, to dislike these stalls with the exception of for stallions um, that are like cell blocks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think horses desperately need to look at each other and see each other. And um, I, I really hate when they are just shut in and the only access they have is a sliding front door that leads them out mm-hmm. into, um, you know, the corridor. And so I, for me, they need to be able to see each other and they need a big back window, a double Dutch door. Mm-hmm. Open it up so they can hang their head out and be a horse. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. It's so important to reduce their stress. Right. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yes. I agree. I agree. Yes. The um, Now, on the flip side of that, I have come across and over the years have had more trouble with stalls that are built so that the dividing wall between the stalls mm-hmm. is wood on the bottom and bars on the top. Yeah, I don't like that. Because mm. the horse never feels like he can, has privacy during mealtime. Um, yeah. I've seen some barns designed so that the front half of that dividing wall is solid and then the back half is barred or screened so that they have the opportunity to visit with their neighbors but when they are in the front of the stall or vice versa if you put your feed buckets in the back they have that opportunity to not have somebody staring at them while they eat because i think um a lot of horse stress at mealtime is associated with that process where they always feel like they have to defend their feed bucket from their neighbor so uh, if if given the opportunity i would uh, i would always design it so that where the feed tub is they don't have to look at anybody Right. Yeah, that's yeah. smart. It's sacred. It's sacred. Yes, the feed bucket this is sacred. And on the topic of bars in the stalls, if you can fit your mm. fist between the bars in the stall, they're too far apart. I don't care what size hand you have. They're too far apart. I've had two different horses get legs stuck between those yeah, bars. Yeah, that's what I don't mm-hmm. like about bars. Mm-hmm. And it can be... Deadly. Oh yeah, and yeah, and de- de- yeah. So if you if you have the opportunity to build your barn from scratch, make sure you're building a barn with no more than three inches between those bars, or a fist. Um, another thing to look out for is don't put most of the most of the time it's standard four feet high, and then the bars start. Sorry, go five feet high. Horses are bigger than they used to be when these things were designed seventy five yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, so that that's another bugaboo of mine when it comes to stall bars um so think about those things yeah those are good yeah i yeah bars <laughs> yeah i'm not a fan but mm-hmm. i i like them to see each other and there yeah. are other ways of right yeah yeah um, they're they're great useful but you have to be careful because they're not all made to the same standard because yeah horses are bigger than they used to be yeah they mm. sure are where do you where do you guys fall on on ventilation in barns What's, what's oh, your, she, your method, your favorite, your worst nightmare? In a hot climate, I want a high roof. Yep. Absolutely. A hot air to go up and away from the horses. In New England, <laughs> I would want a winter barn and a summer barn. <laughs> and the winter uh-huh. barn would be snug, tight, 
low uh, roof so, you, so that the heat d- doesn't escape. And then the horses would move in the summer to their nice, airy summer mm. barn. Hmm. Just a whole new barn. I like that. Yeah. Just... <laughs> or you just go to Florida in the winter. And then you don't have right. to worry about and then you just have, yeah. have a regular summer barn. Yeah. But if you live in the tropics or Texas, yeah. you, I mean, you've got to have a barn that is really open. got a tall roof. Oh, and open and, you know, and plenty of airflow. Easy. Yeah. yeah. This, this, Absolutely. this is something when it comes to how hot your barn does or doesn't get that I discovered when I moved here to Florida is that the direction your barn faces. Yeah. Big Huge difference down here in the Huge. south. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Up, up north, we always say well, you have to have your barn face south because of the prevailing winds and the cold. Right, right, right. Well, down here, you must, you best better not have the um, long end of your barn because barns tend to be long and skinny. Don't have the long end of your barn face west because the horses. Oh my west, God, we the, wouldn't do that in Virginia either. The horses yeah. on the west side of the barn get cooked because yeah. guess where my horses are mm. on the oh. west side of the barn. <laughs> yeah. And something I discovered that um, not only does it get very, very hot, um, when it comes to flies in your barn, regardless of how clean you keep your barn, there's going to be flies. It's what happens. Mm. Yeah, of course. Um, different types of flies like shade versus sun. Mm-hmm. And the type of fly that likes to hang out on your horse's face, which do not bite, but they hang out on your horse's face and give mm-hmm. him watery eyeballs, like sun. So if your barn faces mm. west, those mm. stalls are going to be inundated with flies. That's good info. That's good. Yeah, that is good yeah, info. The, the people who make the fly predators, whose name doesn't come to mind yeah. off the top of my head, um, the original fly predator people, have fantastic information on their website about flies, about what flies do, behavior, what types of flies do what. And I went on there surfing for fly predators one day and got to reading about flies and went, oh, Really, the kind of flies that like to actually bite your horse um, are not sunshine specific. So they're going to also hang out in slightly shady areas versus the ones that like faces really don't care for shade, which is why fly masks work, even though they're not tight, because the fly doesn't want to crawl into the shade under the fly mask. Oh. Uh. So if you've got a barn already, figure out ways to create shade by planting fast-growing shrubs or uh, using shade cloth, which is really a very inexpensive way yep. to create shade in a mm-hmm. hurry. Uh, just Google shade cloth. It's really easy. It's a great uh, idea. Yeah. So those are two things you can do. Or if you're building your barn, take the time to learn where the sun is at what times of day. It's okay if you get evening sunshine in the winter, but you really don't want evening sunshine in the summer. So no. Take those all into consideration. And, and then install a big-ass fan, my favorite. Oh yeah, yes. well they're they're huge down here. Yeah, P- please please send us a check, big ass fans. I, yes, you know, please the five bucks you owe me. <laughs> yes, and and let us know what your tips for building a better barn are at uh, healthycritters.com. Yes. Hi y'all. Greetings. Hello, how are you? Oh, thank God it's Jennifer, not that Glenn. <laughs> we wouldn't want to put you through that, Hedwig. We yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. No. I just, I struggle with Glenn, you know. 
<laughs> he can cause that kind of a reaction in a lot of people as well as dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he's prejudiced. <laughs> <laughs> Against Panamanians. Mm. He, Which is he, not to be confused with Panamanians. No, different, yeah. different all I think, I think he might feel inferior and thus defensive. Well, he, that does happen. When yeah. people are feeling insecure, they strike out. And it, sometimes it's too uh, just a cute little chippy. Yeah. Cheese loving <laughs> chip. It's, ele- it's elementary psychology, but one must appreciate that he's probably relatively limited. <laughs> <laughs> he is very limited by his, his humanity, yes. Yeah, it's sad, but yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, as as humans, Hedwig, I'm sure you're aware. We love to watch our television sets, or on Uh, well, or the clicking box, or the clicking box. We love to watch that. It's one of our favorite things to do. And I'm sure occasionally, um, you've sat and you've watched your servant human watch their clicking box, and you've probably got some some programs that you're used to. Your human watching. Are, is there yeah. a character on that clicker box that you would either love to be or you would wish would disappear off the airwaves? Well, this is an interesting query for sure. You know, as a rule, I find television to lower my intelligence level. But, um, I mean, if I, and really, if we could take a moment, imagine lowering the service intelligence level. Already so disappointingly low. Um, but, I mean, uh, I think maybe some, yes, the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> I think there was a character I liked very much, and I would like to be that character. Yes, Spike the Vampire. <laughs> oh, okay. First of all, he had fabulous hair. And I have fabulous hair. So we have a lot in common. A Secondly, lot in common. Very funny. Very funny. And um, he sang an amazing rock solo in the musical episode that I admired tremendously. Plus, he had an attractive black coat and sometimes pants. So that was very nice. And um, I mean, other than some awkward and embarrassing moments in season six, he was a pretty great guy. Oh, and he killed himself to save the world. So that was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I wow, I, that was that. quite an answer. I kind of <laughs> see you as a minion. Mm. Well, thank you, Tigger. I kind of see you as a togger. But we're not trying to be mean today, are we? Do we want to explain to the listening audience why sometimes you are Tiggle and sometimes you are togger? Uh oh. Yeah. Is it sort of like sometimes I call her Relly Bird or Cinderella? <laughs> I don't think well, so. It's probably when not. She's nice. She tiggle. Mm-hmm. When she's nasty and demeaning towards Pomeranian, she's Togger. Togger. Okay. It's kind of funny. I've never known Tigger to be uh, even mean towards Pomeranians. So this is probably quite a story. <laughs> And when I mean quite a story, I mean rude. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. Well, um, well I'm happy to provide evidence at any time to support my claims. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, thanks, Hetty. <laughs> thanks, Hetty. Bye, you as Hattie. always. 
Thank you for your insight. I feel so special. And now it's time for the breed of the show. We are now at the breed of the show portion of um, our program, and we are on a rabbit trail. (laughs) Sorry. Easter's coming up. Come on, guys. Help me. Um, (laughs) So... You know, I'm learning about rabbits as I'm doing all of this, and um, I uh, it, there's not a lot of things that are different about rabbits that I've been finding. I'm sure rabbit lovers are listening, and there are different things that I'm not aware of. I will learn as I go. But a lot of them have, you know, you feed similar foods. It's not like, you know, in the breeds of dogs, that stuff seems to be different. So we've chosen, I've chosen um, the mini Rex. And would you girls like to know why I've chosen the mini Rex? Yes. I put in... The breed that likes to be held. <laughs> I wanted something to, I wanted it to be an indoor thing, and this came up, and it just tickled me to death. So it's a mini Rex. Um, they again are cute and adorable and small. This is another nice little sideline. They were created in Texas in 1984. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could just create a rabbit. Um, whole lot into that history, which we're not going to do today. But um, they are small. Um, they have a very plush coat. Um, it's list, list, lustrous in appearance. So apparently it's very dense. They get into descriptions of it. Like it has a springy resistance, which just sounds plush and adorable, right? It's <laughs> true. This is true. I mean, I thought lustrous appearance was good, but, um, yes. And they're, they did, they just, they're again, very adorable. Um, <clears throat> lots of fun colors. There's like chinchilla himalayan <laughs> smoke pearl sable silver martin isn't silver martin that little bug but anyway we're not going to go with that um they are approximately three and a half to four and a half pounds um wow they, they are little no they're tiny little things um but they're extremely popular and they're a good indoor rabbit um because why they're easy to hold <laughs> which and apparently i guess it's they're a much calmer breed but kind of how fun is that but they're curious and um like i said they were calm so they because of their <laughs> springy resistant coat um they make a very good indoor pet however they do shed but i don't think it's i mean they probably come out like little cotton balls <laughs> <laughs> which you can be used, right? Um, they do produce a lot less, less dander than your, t- I guess your typical rabbit. And um, b- like I said, they're super indoor pets. And basically this is the, the description in a, in a sentence is that the Rex epitomizes ex- excellent qualities for a family friendly rabbit. <laughs> I don't know. It just, I mean, come on. Let's, I think let's we should a, all get one. I know. I know. I know, Tig. This could it's be dangerous. Family, I'm just it's saying. A, it's a pocket pad. It's it a pocket pad. Yeah. I don't know. This could be fun. I'm just saying. But they're just, they just look like little cotton balls. <laughs> they're just adorable. Three and a half to four, four and a half pounds. Now, I, what I need to do is I, uh, very, one of my old working students, and we'll have to get her on as a, a guest at some point. She um, actually breeds and shows rabbits which so there's a whole other i mean this there's just the whole other thing to this that we can find out more but um for just a family the epitome of qualities for a family friendly rabbit we're going to suggest the mini rex and now we're at quitter nutrition and i'm going to talk about ethics and transparency 
At Biostar, we are asked lots of questions by horse and dog owners. It's an important part of working for Biostar to welcome the opportunity to answer questions. And if we don't know the answer right away, we'll find out. My job as a formulator requires asking lots and lots of my own questions when we evaluate a new supplier or when researching a new ingredient. Before I even bring an ingredient in for testing, I need to know where it is grown, how it is grown, and what certification it carries, non-GMO or organic or pesticide herbicide free. I need to see the COA, Certificate of Analysis, which not only includes the basic protein, fat, fiber, starch content, but also complete profiles for amino acids and micro macro minerals, including the heavy metals, which could be toxic, such as lead, arsenic, mercury, and cadmium. Some producers don't test for the heavy metals, and so we have to turn them down as a supplier for Biostar. With ingredients like oils, I need to know how they are processed, high heat solvent extraction, cold pressed or expeller pressed. Biostar will not use any oils that are produced by high heat solvent extraction or have been expeller pressed. Solvent extraction oils and expeller pressed oils are brought to temperatures so high that many of the nutrients in the oil are denatured in the process. I'm also a consumer. And I know that not every supplement and feed company has the same standards for raw material that Biostar has. Sometimes the label will give an indication of what specific ingredients a company uses. But sometimes I have to call a company to get more information. And sometimes I'm quite shocked by a company's resistance to being transparent, organic and non-GMO. Some companies make non-GMO claims, but when pressed for certification, can't provide it. Biostar has been through non-GMO certification, which is a lengthy process and requires that every single ingredient be traceable from farm to table. An uncertified non-GMO crop could have been contaminated in the field by a neighboring farmer's GMO soy whose pollen blew on the wind or have been contaminated in the mills or during shipping. That's why certification is so important. It holds everyone in the non-GMO food chain accountable every step of the way. Some companies make non-GMO claims about foods that have historically never been genetically modified. So while true in one sense, the claims are also misleading. Organic is not just a marketing term, but reflects a real difference in how food is grown versus conventional and non-GMO methods. Organic certification ensures that no glyphosate, Roundup, 2,4-D or Decambia herbicide has been used, as well as no genetically modified organisms or seeds. Farming for organic certification means improving soil health by increasing richness of the soil microbiota and micronutrients. Methods of achieving achieving this include crop rotation, crop cover cropping, reduced tillage, increased plant biodiversity, and application of compost. With conventional and non-organic, non-GMO farming, there are no requirements for soil health. The seeds can still be grown with chemical fertilizers. Glyphosate, 2,4-D, and decambia can be used, as well as other herbicides and pesticides. Remember that non-GMO does not mean glyphosate-free. I'm often asked by customers about various commercial feeds and supplements made by other companies. I really respect supplement and feed companies that include their ingredients along with the guaranteed analysis on their websites. I may not personally agree with their ingredient choices, but they aren't just making marketing claims with a basic guaranteed analysis without showing the consumer exactly what is in their products. 
whether it's for a horse, human, or pet, if a company isn't willing to list their ingredients on their website, I won't buy from them. I don't think we consumers ask enough questions of the companies we buy from. I think we all too easily accept marketing claims, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone. I can get sucked into a marketing claim faster than lint into a vacuum cleaner. But as consumers, it's important to ask questions of the companies we buy from. One customer told me recently that her hay farmer said he was getting tired of being asked about the nutritional quality of his hay. He was now getting his hay analyzed so that he could just text or email the results to his customers. I call that a big win. Not long ago, a company contacted me about their plant-based digestive enzymes. There was plenty of marketing in their email and on their website showing really high enzymatic activity. So I asked for a certificate of analysis. After the certificate arrived, I still needed more information, so I called the company. It took getting through the sales department and following to the technical science department to find out what I needed to know. These plant enzymes were derived from soy and not organic soy. Absolutely unacceptable for Biostar. Whole fruit powders. Commonly found in whole food supplements for humans, fruit powders are now being incorporated into more equine and canine supplements. While whole fruit powders do add flavor, they also supply important nutritional components, fiber, vitamins, and antioxidants that fruit flavorings do not. Flavorings are primarily created by several big fragrance companies in France, and 99% of them are pure chemical concoctions. Solvents, emulsifiers, flavor modifiers, and preservatives can make up 80% of the mixture. Even natural flavors does not mean only one flavor source. It can have anywhere from 50 to 200 ingredients. There are two basic ways to preserve fruits for supplements and feed, drum drying and freeze drying. Spray drying is not commonly used with fruits and vegetables. That's a process used mostly for molasses, rice protein, honey, etc. Drum drying is generally done at low temperatures, but requires an additive, maltodextrin, which is a stabilizer, sweetener, thickener made from corn, wheat, tapioca, potatoes, or rice. In the U.S., it is commonly obtained from GMO corn. Maltodextrin is easily digestible and can be absorbed as rapidly as glucose. Drum-dried fruits could contain 1% to 5% maltodextrin. Freeze-drying takes frozen fruits or vegetables and dehydrates them using a refrigerated vacuum system. No additives are required. The cell structures remain intact, as does the color, shape, nutritional components, and flavor. Freeze-drying is considered the gold standard for retaining the nutritional values of the fruits or vegetables. It is also significantly more expensive. Companies are not required to label fruit and vegetable powers with the process by which they were created. So without contacting the company, the consumer has no idea which form of fruit powder is a supplement. Biostar only uses freeze-dried fruit and vegetable powders. My personal rule of thumb, it is a bit of a pain, but not accepting label claims on faith is becoming more and more important. My basic rule of thumb is earn my trust. And by that, I mean transparency. If I have to dig like a dog to get answers, it's probably not a company I will do business with. Plenty of, of companies in our industry may not use the same quality ingredients that Biostar does, but I still have a great respect for them when they're honest about it as this speaks to their basic ethics. We consumers deserve choices and we deserve honest answers. <laughs> 
Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. Well, we thought it'd be fun in Coffee Clutch. Um to talk about, you know, what kind of vehicle is our dog, which does sound like a strange title, admittedly. But I started thinking about this just because I'm strange. Um, (laughs) Actually, from seeing a big Newfoundland in in the Wellington Dog Park, and I thought, wow, that dog is like a big truck. And then I started looking around at all the other dogs and thinking, oh, well, that could be a VW, and that could be... So I thought it would be fun. So... Patty, let's. Do, I mean, you have a you have a couple of different breeds. What yeah. what vehicles do your dogs uh, remind you of? Okay, well, I I went a little bit of a different route. <laughs> I did. <laughs> of course, you did. Of course, I did. Well, I didn't do what my dogs. Well, okay, I I did. But I'll start with the one the one dog I have. Um, I <laughs> I went with uh, my French bulldogs. Remind me of the Ford Pinto. <laughs> <laughs> Right? I, 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 no, I don't see that at all. Well, because remember, if you they the gas tank was in the back, and I just they're very partacious little dogs, and I just keep thinking, I don't know, I just kept thinking about the gas tank being in the back. They're kind of blocky, they're gassy. I don't know. I just I don't know. I just like thought that that was a good correlation between the two because if you tap, what people don't know is years ago there was a certain model of the I guess it was all Ford Pintos, but if you hit them in the back, they would blow up. No, you don't get it at all. The relevance in that? No. You know, exploding. Farting dogs. No. Anyway. Okay. That was that. that. (laughs) It's only for some people. Not everyone's going to get that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You got to have. I think of them as being muscle cars. The Ford Pinto or the dog? The dog, not the Ford. Pinto. Oh, <laughs> well, I was like, wait, because I was like, Tigger, what, what kind of Ford Pinto did you? Have? Yeah, I was gonna say the, the Ford Pinto was a lot of thing, but muscle car would never be described. Yeah, yeah okay. A Ford Pinto. No, no, I was thinking more of a Mustang, you know, Mach One or whatever they used to call it, Shelby, or mm. you no, know, as a souped-up Mustang muscle car, Camaro, you know, because they're just they're muscular little. Bricks. dogs and yeah <laughs> they're just bricks they're not they're corvettes they're not yeah, they're, they are they are not corvettes that is too that but is true. i it, it just made me think of sort of a boxy but rather sporty muscle car i guess i was um i slept with both of them last night <laughs> and i was just thinking gassy little gassy little cars so that was <clears throat> okay tig you're next <laughs> well um i think australian shepherds are 
the Subaru Outbacks of the dog world. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> um, not just because I drive a Subaru, but they're just, you know, they're, they'll go anywhere. They'll do anything. They're not high maintenance like a Subaru and they're sporty in terms of, you know, let's go hiking and let's yeah, do this I, and that. I, yeah. I'm feeling the, mm-hmm. I'm feeling it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks mm-hmm. Jennifer. Yeah, I am. <laughs> they're like small SUVs, but just not big, powerful ones. Like <laughs> yeah, they're small Ford. and agile and, and yeah. Um, yeah. And approachable. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, how about uh, the Greyhound? Uh, I thought I thought a lot about this, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the Greyhound is an Alfa Romeo. Oh, yes. oh, that's interesting. It is. It is classic design. It's beautiful, elegant, but powerful. But breaks mm. down often. But breaks down often. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really good. It's very fussy about how it's cared for. It's likely not to want to get up in the morning. Needs a nice warm garage at night. Precisely, because it's Italian. It sounds like an Aston Martin, you know. (laughs) The Aston Martins aren't quite as finicky as the Alfa Romeo. Yeah, temperamental. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. see, an Aston Martin is probably going to be your Italian Greyhound, despite the name, because they're a little bit less... A little it's bit so funny. Crazy. That's yeah. what I. That's exactly what I, I. When I wrote down Aston Martin, I was thinking that would be an Italian. Grammar. Absolutely, that's so funny. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you go. And I thought one up for for Pomeranian too. I did oh. too. Oh, oh. Let's, all, let's, let's all compare okay. our Pomeranians. <laughs> you okay. want me to go? I'm going to be killed by by Hedwig. Well, Hedwig doesn't it, listen to the show. We're okay. If you if you that. hear about a murder, yeah. Um, I'm on. Um, I'm in Wellington in <laughs> yes. this uh, rental house. Yes, uh, I've been murdered by a pomeranian by named Edwig. Yeah. yeah, by a chippy. Yeah, can they make uh, knives out of cheese? It's just a question. <laughs> <laughs> I said an old VW Bug. <laughs> an old, not a new one. An old one. No, old one has mm-hmm. to be old, mm-hmm. like vintage. Wow. Yeah, in you're the gonna 60s. get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that Hedwig would be a smart car, efficient smart car. You know those little smart cars. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Efficient. Yeah. Smart. Moves around. Can Run, get in. Batteries run low, spot. and then it just goes. Foot. Yeah, likes to be serviced a lot by people. Yeah, servants. Okay. Yeah, to- okay. has toxic parts. Sure. Didn't know that. <laughs> I don't know enough about cars, obviously. <laughs> What what do you think a, a Pomeranian would be? Um, well, I think the Pomeranian is the Fiat Panda. Again, we're going Italian. The Fiat oh, wow. Panda is a super duper tiny four by four SUV. It's like the size of a smart car, and it's mm-hmm. zippy and fun and adorable around town, but completely useless off road. Hello to four by four, and lousy for road trips. But it's cute. Oh, that's good. It's oh, very good. very cute. Because it's a really good idea p- on paper, this tiny, zippy 4x4. But as it turns out, it's not worth nothing but cute. And all of your friends who are not car people will fawn over it because it's cute. Cute. Mm-hmm. Well, my, uh, my, my alternative to the old VW Bug, knowing how high-maintenance uh, chippies could be, uh-huh. was you know, like a two-seater Mercedes convertible. Oh. Ooh. Yes. Oh. Yes. Mercedes yep. maintenance. Yep. Yeah. 
unpredictable. Big, may and expensive. And expensive. Every time oh, you take him to the every time you take him to the car doctor, it costs you a fortune. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. So what dog breeds do we think would be, you know, like a Camry or uh, <laughs> you know, just a nice sedan, normal sedan? Hmm. A Camry's type. gonna be a Labrador. I'm sorry. Oh. Really? I, I was think, thinking yeah. boxer, but I guess not. Yeah, now see if it like a Maxima, that's gonna be a boxer. A oh, sedan, good point. but a little yeah. bit a little bit more yeah. muscly. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's good. Okay, okay. What 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 because we mentioned this earlier, Gremlin. What dog would be a gremlin? <laughs> I was thinking like a pug. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. At at first glance, it's yeah. An aberration of nature at first glance. Yes. And, yes. and then once you yes. hug it, and you go, oh, but it's funky looking, but yeah. it's so cute. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. It works. <laughs> yeah. You get in a certain situation, you're like, yeah, okay, it works. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about like a, a big Ford Explorer? Um, what about a Dodge Ram? Highlander. What about a Dodge Ram? One of those big trucks. But Dodge Ram. That's going to be a Great Dane. Great Dane. What about like one of those, the big, uh, like a Mastiff? I like, think a Mastiff might be a, do- a, a Dodge truck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's the right place. Mm-hmm. And a, like, diesel. A, a diesel. A diesel. Yeah. Diesel. Yeah. A dually. Yeah, it's a dually. <laughs> a dually. <laughs> a dually. <laughs> yes. oh, what so would cool. be the Ferrari of the dog world? Oh, oh, whip it. Yeah. Ferrari. Like whip it or ooh, a Saluki. I'm going to Oh, yeah. I'm or say or the Borzoi. Oh, I'm going to say a Pharaoh yeah. hound. Oh, Pharaoh, yeah. Or the Pharaoh hound. Mm-hmm. Now, what would an old English sheepdog be? A, a uh, rambler. A rambler. <laughs> or I was going to say, or an old. A uh, Nash. An old VW. <laughs> a Nash. Yes. Yeah. Or like, remember those old VW vans? Yes, a Vanagon. <laughs> oh, love a Vanagon. them. Lots yeah. of adventures in those. But that will remain a secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not really, Tigger. Terriers. <laughs> Terriers. What would a Jack Russell car be? I, that's what I keep thinking. Uh, um, oh, sort of like Mini uh, Cooper S. Yes, Mini. Oh, that's yes. Perfect. Or the alternative, if it's not a Mini Cooper S, if it's the tall version of the Jack Russell Terrier, it's going to be a Corvair. <laughs> a Corvair. Only, only our listeners of a certain age will understand that one. Yes. <laughs> Deadly at any. And what would be a Land Rover? Who would be a Land Rover? Oh, oh uh, um, um, what's the um, uh, uh, Rhodesian Ridgeback? Yeah. Uh. I see that. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say a a curly coated retriever, but it's the same kind of family, I think. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Classy, Bass- but not uppity. Yeah. How about a basset hound? What would they drive? A basset hound. Oh, a basset hound's gonna be a juke. A what? A juke. A Nissan, like a- a Nissan juke. It's that car that you see driving around. It's kind of an SUV, and it looks like it has a big nose, like Jamie Durani. I have not seen one of those. You have. You just didn't realize no. it. 
I don't think so. It's got it's got this funky looking hood, and the wheel wells or the front wheels are huge, and they stick out over the top of the top line of the hood in the front. Yeah, look it up, and you'll say, "Oh, yeah, Basset Hound." What have you been drinking? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. She's, she's on it. <laughs> I was thinking, you know that um, I, I can't a Chrysler. I think that made that sort of. It was a couple of years ago. What did they call that? It was a funky looking car and it was really popular. Which one was I it? I need more words than that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, it was a Chrysler. It was a cruiser. The the cru- PT Chrysler. Cruiser. Yes. Oh, oh, the for a basset hound. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, let us know what your dog um what vehicle your dog reminds us uh, or of. Wh- or what or- dog your vehicle reminds you of. Which, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and go to healthycritters.com and let us know. And and where can they go on the Facebook? Healthycrittersradio.com. There we go. No, it's not, not, it's not dot com. It's on Facebook. <laughs> it's just Healthy Critters Radio. Yep. Woohoo! Woohoo! Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to healthycrittersradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. 